welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Chris Brown. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. So last week we started a series on managing money God's way. Very practical. Uh, and of course, it's no coincidence that I mentioned the vision builders thing at the end of this month because part of our management of money involves tithing, giving towards God, which we'll talk more about next week or two. Uh, but last week, uh, let's have a look at this scripture from Isaiah 55 verse 8 and 9. This is a prophecy, God speaking through the prophet Isaiah. And God said this, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. And the next verse, he says, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. What's that an alarm telling me I've finished preaching? Right, God bless you. All right, enjoy your coffee. Service is finished at 11 on dot now. Really? All right, hang in there. I'll be, um, so notice God's ways are higher, better than our ways, than the world's ways. God's got ways for us to follow. And if you're smart, you'll attend to God's ways rather than just live your life your way or follow other people's ways or the peer pressures ways or the societal ways. And so there's different ways to live and, uh, and we want to, do life God's way, like I said. And one of these ways we talked about last week, this, uh, in terms of money, you know, that God's got ways for us and these ways include how we manage finances. And I, and I said last week that the first way we approach money or the attitude we have towards money starts with this concept of stewardship, which says, look, the money that I have is not really mine. Everything I have, all the resources I have, I'm not here forever. I'll just be here for a little while. But while I'm here, I'll, I'll do my best with it, but I'm a steward. I'm a servant of God. I'm, I'm a caretaker of whatever is in my hand. It's not really mine to keep forever. And so we talked about this concept of looking at things differently. Um, I remember Fergus McIntyre preaching a great message saying, um, imagine uh, you had uh, red dots and green dots and a green dot you would put on anything that goes on into eternity, anything in your life. You go and put it on anything that will last forever. You put the little green sticker, little round, go put on that. Everything else that doesn't last forever, put a little red sticker on it. And of course, what he was getting at is it's only people that get the green stickers, only people. Everything else, that beautiful new car or coat or clothes or shoes or whatever, it's red dot, red dot, red dot. Oh, I really like it. Yeah, well, it's not going to last forever. Oh, what about it's going to rust? What about the iron? It'll be destroyed. What about the moths will get to it? Oh. You know, and so it's good for us to consider that and realise, wow, nothing lasts forever. But money is given to us and material possessions are provided for us to use. And so money, we said, is a good tool. Don't have to be afraid of it. The um, Bible says, you know, love of money is an issue, but not money itself. And so if you approach it the right way as a steward, then you can use it well. And, um, and so then we can, you know, use money to bless people, build the church, uh, you know, bring glory to God, and you'll get blessed along the way. So it all starts with stewardship. But today I want to talk about another 
approach, another attitude we should have towards material things and money, and that is employing faith. The whole concept of faith in God regarding money. And uh, if we look in that chapter of Isaiah, at the beginning of that chapter, here's another prophecy that God brings through the prophet and words for us today, thousands of years later. Look at Isaiah 55 verse 1. This is from the NIV. And this is God speaking, saying, come. The traditional translation started with, ho. I remember when I first joined C3 Church, 40-something years ago, I remember hearing Pastor Phil Pringle preach a message and he got no further than ho. He preached the whole message and it was so inspirational, this invitation from God, ho, you know, and then it goes on, come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. This is God speaking. All you who, watch this, have no money, come buy and eat. You've got no money, but you can come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money. Without cost. And then God says this, why spend money on what is not bread and your labour on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest of fare. That is God's invitation to us. He's inviting us to come to him for miraculous provision. Of course, he's not just talking about literal water and wine, milk, and other physical foods. He's talking about deeper spiritual needs that we have, sustenance that we need for our soul. And he's made that available for us. And it's completely free to us, thanks to his grace and mercy. But the character of God, being a loving father, is reflected here in this prophecy, showing that he's such a great provider, that provision flows through every aspect of your life. It's not just salvation. It's not just, all right, Jesus died for your sins. Bang, there's your ticket to heaven. You'll suffer, have a miserable life. You'll be poor, everything, but you'll get to heaven. No, no, no. Look at God's character there. He's like, come, I'm going to bless you. Don't waste your money here and focus on that. Or you've got no resources, no money. That's fine. Come, I'm going to bless you. And so this is the heart of God. And he calls us to come to him. But of course, how do we come to God? By faith. That's how we approach God. It's how we connect with God, how we receive from God and relate to God. And, and so the Bible tells us that without faith, it's impossible to please him. You know that scripture in the book of Hebrews. And of course, the implication is that, well, if you do have faith, then it will please him. So I think, yeah, that's the way I want to live. I don't want to live without faith. I want to lift my faith. I want to trust God so I can please God. That makes sense, doesn't it? And, uh, and it, of course it makes sense if God's a good father, a good provider, a loving God, that we would trust him. And yet we often struggle. We often hold back. You know, um, parents know this. Your kids, you make them a promise or you say you're going to do something. And it pleases you if they trust you. And it displeases you if they're a bit kind of sus about you. You've, like when my kids were little, there's a few of them here. There's four of them here. I remember, anyway, they're around somewhere. Okay, so I've got children. They're growing up. But when they were little, so one of them was drumming, one was singing, um, Luke and Shelley here. So when they were little, uh, we saved very hard and we, um, I remember sitting Hudson and Ellen down, the eldest two. We could only do an overseas trip in, in two at a time, you know. We thought we'll save years later for the younger two. But we sat them down, Hudson and Ellen, and said, guess what? 
you're going to Disneyland. And they were suitably excited. I remember Eleanor particularly. She was just like, what? You know, and, uh, and I thought, well, that's the reaction I was wanting, you know. And, and there was no doubt that they knew it would happen. But, but imagine if they were kind of doubtful about it. Imagine if they had said, well, I don't know, Dad, you know, like, I'm not sure if you've got, it's a good idea, but can you really pull that off? I don't know. You know, it's, I, I would not be pleased, would I? If they had reacted like that, I, I might have well been tempted to say, well, forget Disneyland. We'll just make it Wonderland. You know, like, I don't know if you remember, remember Australia's Wonderland? Hey, we're not going to LA, we're going to the western suburbs of Sydney, you know, again. We went there a lot. Um, and uh, and so, so, you know, as children of God, we're called to, to trust him. And when he says something, to have a positive expectation that what he says will actually happen, rather than be suspicious and doubtful and go, well, I, don't, I mean, I've read that, but... I don't know, God, I don't know if you can pull that off and I'm not sure if I really deserve it. I don't know. That does not please him, but it pleases him if we have faith. Now, you, know, you may know this um, passage of Scripture, Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. You may know this off by heart. It's a wonderful, pithy, punchy little passage. Trust in the Lord. Is it up there? Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. Maybe I didn't give it to Kath. Um, Trust in the Lord. You probably know it off by heart, some of you, with all all your heart, and don't lean on what? Your own understanding. In how many ways? All your ways, acknowledge him, and what will he do? He'll direct your paths. He'll make your paths straight. Isn't that awesome? But it starts with trusting, doesn't it? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, all the different ways of life, and of course, God's got a way for us to go, a pathway that he has for us. And we can go our way or if we're smart, we'll go his way. And then we can follow his directions. And of course, one of those ways involves our finances, our material, monetary kind of world. Whatever we have coming into our hands, we can put our faith in God, follow his way in that way. And then he'll direct our paths. He'll make a a pathway, the right pathway direction for us to manage our money um, and you know there's so many promises that that really come down to material areas and just for one that I want you to attend to this morning you may know this one as well first Timothy six seventeen, Paul's writing to Timothy as the elder uh, statesman if you like uh, mentor of Timothy who's pastoring a church and he says this is what you should do Timothy in the church Command those, tell those, or teach those, NLT. One translation says command. The Greek word is a very strong word. Charge them. Maybe your uh, traditional translation, I think, says in the King James. Tell or command those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable, or will soon be gone, which some translations say, which confirms what I was saying before. It doesn't last forever. But where should their trust be? Their trust should be in God who what? Richly gives us all we need in life for our enjoyment. Isn't that incredible? So notice there where not to put your trust, yourself or money, where to put your trust in God and then look at the result. He's going to bless you. He's not just going to make, you know, what do people used to say? He'll meet your needs but not your greeds. 
You know, don't get carried away. God says, it's like, okay, I get it. God just wants to keep me poured. It'll keep me humble. He doesn't want me to starve, but he doesn't want me to be too blessed. So no, that's not the gospel. That's not the character of God. He wants to richly bless you with all things for your enjoyment. Isn't that awesome? So he's very abundant. He's very generous. He's very loving. Parents, you know, like Ted running around, he has always been Spider-Man. I mean, I've never seen him not wearing something Spider-Man. Hi, Ted. I'm Spider-Man. Sorry. He called me Uncle Chris the other day. And then I said, okay, I'll work with that. And then uh, I think Nikki said, oh, that's Pastor Chris. I said, yeah, Uncle Chris. And then he called me Old Man. I thought, well, no, I'm not, I, don't, I, don't think, I don't think your parents would be happy with that, Ted. I said, let's just go. You can stick with Uncle Chris if you like. Or we just, but but he's, a, he's a little crazy guy running around Spider-Man. But today, he's not Spider-Man. He's Catboy, is that a new superhero? So he's running around this little blue thing with a tail, running around. I'm Catboy, ah, you know, and um, you know. But I'm, my point is, imagine if it was his birthday and his parents just said, "All right, it's your birthday," and get carried away. Happy birthday, that's it, you know. Or uh, here's an extra cookie, you know. Yeah, right. Okay. All right. So, okay. You, well, that doesn't help my analogy. So uh, you know, but I'm sure they've given him the Catboy outfit. And no doubt other things, you know, because they, they, you bless your children. Your, your, your birthdays are great. It's awesome. You bless people. You want to give to people. Um, of course, Edgar, at 70, he's got everything he needs. But I'm, actually, I'm, I know what he's going to get. Harriet's going to bake him something. Harriet is a great baker. And so she's going to bless him, no doubt. I don't know how he stays so trim with all that lovely French patisserie going on. But... Um, so God wants to bless us. We just need to have faith in that. And so let me just give you a few things. What does faith look like in terms of trusting God regarding money and managing money God's way? If you put your faith in God, what does that look like in a practical way? What does it reveal in day-to-day terms? The first thing is, as I've already touched on, is that it means you're going to believe the Bible. When you read it, you're going to, as I've just noticed, you're going to note the promises of provision that are in there, the blessing that God has got for you, and you're going to accept that. You're going to take that on board and say, well, thank you, Lord. I'm a child of the King. I'll receive that blessing. You're not going to be worried about money getting a hold of you. You're going to get it in perspective, but appreciate God wants to bless you. You'll appreciate that prosperity is not a bad word. It's a Bible word. and You don't have to get caught up with it. Um, and of course, it's not just promises in the Bible that you're going to believe. There's promises in the Word, but there's also facts and laws about the world that we live in that you will attend to, like the law of sowing and reaping, which applies not just to money, but lots of parts of our life, but, uh, but including money. So you appreciate that. That's a law. That's a fact. God makes it clear. It's a principle. And um, uh, like the fact that you can't serve God and money. Jesus said that himself. Notice he didn't say you shouldn't serve God in money. He points out it's a fact. You can't do it. You just can't, oh, I want to serve God. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to, yeah. but, but you're really sacrificing to Lord Buck, to, to, to this, this sort of monetary desire. And, and some people, you know, sacrifice too much for their career or for the ambition that they feel that they'll achieve if they, you know, just, and, and, and material wealth. And the, so you will not be able to serve God properly if you prioritise that way. But 
conversely, if you serve God, then you will find you cannot be serving money if you're serving God properly. So then you'll deal with money without it dealing with you too much. You'll be able to handle money without it controlling you. And so there's some facts that we take on board when we believe the Bible. There's also commandments and principles in the Word. If you trust God, trust His Word, then you'll realise, wow, okay, I really need to obey you in this God. So I'm going to be aware of debt because the Bible warns me about it. It, it, I'm going to be. I'm going to work hard because the Bible tells me that I should, and uh, and I'm going to live generously. And so, there's uh, all sorts of stuff in the Word of God waiting for us to believe in, and to accept by faith, and to stand on, and um, and that's a great uh, uh, resource for us. You know, to to believe, to stand on, to to work with in our life. Um, second thing about. Uh, what faith is going to look like in a practical day-to-day life is um, regarding money is that someone who's, who's walking this way will tithe, will give generously. And I'll talk more about this in the next couple of weeks, but we just know that faith is revealed by our actions, not just by our intentions, not just by our words or our thoughts, but faith becomes an act. And, uh, and, and it's a good act when you're giving because it... It's an expression of your faith, but it also builds your faith when you're talking about sending something away that it's a resource you want more of. And then you see the laws of sowing and reaping and giving and being blessed. Um, And then thirdly, if you're uh, walking by faith in terms of finances, uh, it means that you're not going to worry. You're not going to be fearful. And this is a big one for people because we've all got times where there's some financial constraints and pressures and issues going on but notice what Jesus said Um, you know when you read the Sermon on the Mount Matthew records this amazing uh, speech or sermon or message that Jesus gave and there's a section in there where he starts talking in very practical terms and says don't worry about your life and specifically he says don't worry about what you eat or what you're going to wear or you know what how you're going to be materially provided for. Jesus says, don't worry. And then he finishes with this, um, these words, Matthew 6, 31. He says, to summarise, so do not worry. You see that? Do not worry. Saying, oh, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans or people who don't yet know God, they run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. So seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. You may know that verse, Matthew 6.33, very well known. Promise. And so when I read that, wow, I see the Lord Jesus telling me not to worry about provision. That's a commandment. So if I carry on worrying about money or my material world well that's a sin I've disobeyed a direct commandment from God and when I say I I mean you just being polite you know uh, because come on I'm just softening the blow here you know Um, so I won't point fingers but I could every single one of you know she said don't worry don't worry don't worry don't Um, so of course like I said we have issues we've got concerns you might have financial uh, problems at times but we're called to walk by faith not fear and that's a calling and God will equip you so that you can. You, you 
You can't ever tell God truthfully, oh, you have no idea what I'm going through, Lord. We're tempted to. Oh, God, you're in heaven. You've got no idea. No, in every respect, Jesus was tempted just as we are, the Bible says. And so there's nothing you go through that God doesn't understand or Jesus doesn't appreciate or empathize or help you with. And so whatever you're going with, going through, you bring it to God and say, God, wow, I know you understand this. Help me. And I know you haven't given me. You will not tempt me beyond what I can bear. We're told that as well. So I know this is not beyond you or your provision or your assistance. It feels like it. I'm really stretched here. But faith says, I'm not going to worry. I don't know how this is going to work out. I'm going to trust you, Lord. And I won't worry, yeah? And so we really want to get a hold of that. And uh, in terms of your finances, just be clear with God's word in your heart that it's his desire and it's his ability to provide for you and therefore you have no need to worry, even when you don't know all the details. Number four, walking by faith. What does it look like? It means you're going to end up having testimonies of God's provision and they build up over time. And this happens when you're trusting in God, you'll see how he's blessed you looked after you in the past to give you confidence about the future. Your faith gets strengthened. And, um, and this is awesome. You, you, so, for instance, for Ruth and myself, when we were first married, we... Pregnant pause. Bought a house in Sydney. And um, then uh, Ruth stopped working. Let me clarify that. Ruth continued working. Uh, she just stopped paid employment. Go the stay-at-home mums. It's a great calling. If you're a stay-at-home mum, you are working. In fact, for us, Hudson being our oldest firstborn child, her workload just went through the roof. It was crazy. Most challenging work, but also incredibly rewarding. Just the reward is intrinsic, not monetary. <laughs> and so, um, so Ruth was uh, at home with the new baby, and, uh, and then I got retrenched. I got this fantastic job that lasted like four months till they got bought out by another company, and everyone, everyone got retrenched except the gorgeous young secretary, and we just thought, man, let's not be too cynical, but what's the bet Michelle keeps her job? Sure enough, Michelle kept her job. <laughs> Honestly, if I only had a miniskirt, I might have kept my job, but anyway... Um, Oh, and so to top it off, did I mention that interest rates were the highest they've ever been in Australian history? So our mortgage interest rate was, what's a good mortgage rate at the moment? 2.9? Imagine if you're paying 5, 7, 12, how about 17.5%? Anyone or something? The old people are like, oh, I remember those days, yeah. Oh, flip. And we, you know, when in the early days you got a big mortgage and, oh, wow. So... So we, the bills just didn't add up. We just couldn't see how everything was going to... And I remember literally had a paper Bible back in the day, the big black you know, leather Bible, none of this electronic flimsy stuff. And I got all the bills on the study desk and I would put the Bible over the top of them and I would just proclaim the promises of God. Oh, and I couldn't see how we were going to pay the bills. I, I wasn't sure how it was going to work out. But somehow, miraculously, we survived. It was just wonderful testimony to trusting in God, to the power of God's promises and just getting through some very tight, challenging circumstances financially. And so then, ever since then, that's like 30 plus years ago, um, 
whenever we have had any financial stress or tra- challenges, we just look back and go, oh, no, no, this is easy. This mountain, it'll be removed. Look at the one that we beat back then. You know? And so you'll have that the more you trust God, the more you exercise faith in him. Uh, and in terms of your finances, you end up with this bank of stories and testimonies that you stand on and go, no, no, this one, this is fine. We've you know, nailed it in the past. God's helped us. Um, and then fifthly, one of the great things when you're walking by faith with God, uh, one of the key indicators will be, is, will be your confession. Your, what you speak will match what you believe. And, and, and I'm not just talking silly semantics. Like I just appreciated and noticed what Bethany said when she got up here. She said, oh, we were going to buy flowers. And then we looked at the bank account and then we decided not to buy flowers. So she didn't say, oh, we looked at the bank account and we had no money in there. We're so poor and it's terrible. And, we don't. and the parents didn't know anything about this. We don't hear, you know, they've been raised not to complain and, you know, trust God and, and just carry on. And so we don't say, I'm poor. The Bible says, let the poor say, I'm rich. And so that's, just, that, that's not just silly wordplay. That's the power of words being employed. That's matching what is in your heart with what is in your mouth, like Romans 10 tells us. That's confession lining up with faith in your heart. And so, you know, again, for us, when we were first married, finances are pretty tight. We, we, were, we were both Bible college students and, and uh, Ruth agreed to marry me. And her father was very trusting because he uh, had no idea how his daughter was going to actually live and survive and be fed because I sat down with him and told him quite confidently how much money we'd be earning part-time while we were at college. Um, And I remember it was $300 a week. And I was pretty chuffed about that because I had a pretty good part-time paying job. And I thought, no, we've done the math. And he he was just freaking out thinking, well, you're going to die. (laughs) And it was technically below the poverty line. I remember thinking, okay, we can do this. but we decided early on, even if the finances and the income were, were low, we, we would never say we can't afford it. If something was there that we wanted to purchase or save towards, we would just say, uh, we're saving for something. We're in savings mode. We've been in savings mode many times over the years, you know. Like, don't buy it. We're in savings mode. Ah, yes. But it is a little, as I said, it's a little more than semantics. It's a good confession. To just say, look, that's not a financial priority for us right now. Because if it is a priority, if God wants you to have it, you will get it. You might just have that law of delayed gratification. You've heard of that? You really appreciate something when you've had to save for it. And you've had to wait for it. And that's good. Patience is good. God will bless you. You'll get it if you need that new car or whatever is on the horizon. There's nothing wrong. Write a dream list, you know. But we just trust in God and we confess our trust in God. And... Um, I'll finish with one example of this. One of the best examples I've ever known of someone who confesses faith is Pastor Phil Pringle. And particularly in terms of finance and resources, because he's raised a lot of money over the years, built a church, television studio, school, planted churches, all kinds of stuff by faith. From early days, starting with nothing, and just preaching faith, trusting in God, confessing faith. And, um, and when we were going to Russia as missionaries from the mother from Pastor Phil's church, they said, well, here's some basic uh, funds that you'll need. And I'd already been over to Russia with Pastor Phil, spied out the land, figured out a basic budget. And then when we came back, 
we were invited to go via America to speak at a, just a youth camp in the church. It was like a sister relationship to our church in Sydney. And we were just going to be guests in the church and speak at the youth camp. And then it was just as cheap for us to fly via the States and go to Russia that way than go across Asia. So we were due to do that. And then I said, just before we were leaving, Pastor Phil, I've done the budget. We appreciate the basic stipend we're going to be getting. We'll survive off that. But we really need 10 grand for a car because we need to get around the city. And the plan is that we'll give the car to the church or someone key person in the church when we leave after a couple of years we were due to go for two years and um and phil said ah oh, you'll get the money you need for a car in america and and my brain's spinning madly and i'm, I'm wanting to be submitted and 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 you know supportive and trusting and all that but i'm madly thinking well you're wrong because we're speaking at a youth camp and they're not going to give us a $10,000 offering. And I'm not allowed to work. I've got no green card. We're just zipping through with a couple of little babies for three or four weeks. So I, you know, pushed back as boldly as I could. Well, Pastor, you know, with respect, there's no way I'm getting 10 grand in America. Um, why don't you, like, look, can, we, can the church underwrite the cost of the car? And then if we get offerings, I mean, when, sorry, when we get offerings that you somehow think that we're going to get in America, uh, you know, we'll pay it back. He goes, no, you'll be fine. You'll get your money. You'll get your money in America. And then he sort of gave me a look, which was basically, shut up, trust God. Like, okay. And so I left with very little faith, but he was just so confident. And I've seen him do this a million times. Just like, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. God will provide. Yeah, just speak faith, you know. I'm like, okay. And so sure enough, we go to America. We speak at the youth camp. We get an offering, a couple hundred bucks. I'm like, yeah, great. What kind of a car is that? I'm going to buy a Matchbox car. Here, hop on, kids. You know, we'll take the Matchbox car with the metro in the metro, you know, in the, in the Russian train system. But then we're in this church and they have this guest speaker who no one had ever heard of at the time. Her name was Joyce Meyer. She was just starting off. This is 1992, you know. So we're on stage because this is what they did in big churches in America. You're all the pastors and dignitaries and we were like the young missionaries being honoured. So we're just sitting on stage. So we're there for like three Sundays, just sitting on stage. Never preached. They've got Joyce Meyer. They've got the normal pastor. Maybe they had another guest when we were there. You know, and we're just sitting there. And then the last Sunday before we're going, the pastor says, we're going to send this couple to Russia. We're going to bless them. They're coming. And the Texans are amazing. They're great, big, tough men. And then they bawl their eyes out when you're talking about, well, those communists have been persecuting the Christians because this is the end of the Cold War, you know, and we're like some of the earliest missionaries to go, you're going to Russia? Oh, praise God. They give you a big hug, these great big seven-foot blokes bawling their eyes out, hugging you. You think, what is going on, you know? And so he said, we're going to take up an offering for this couple. So we'd never even preached and they took up an offering and uh, it was $7,500 US, which equated to exactly... $10,000 Australian, which equated to exactly what we needed to buy a car. And so then I was very excited when I, I, th I think it was a fax I sent back to Pastor Phil saying, you were right, you know, and he's like, well, of course I was right, you know, it's faith. And, uh, and it was exactly what we needed. And I thought, what a great lesson that was to just go with the flow of someone who's speaking faith rather than push back and to also learn from that and to be a person of faith and to speak faith over our financial world. And so I trust you do the same, yeah? So praise the Lord. Come on, don't worry about money. Trust God. Don't just throw a cursory glance over the promises in Scripture about God's provision, but stand on those promises, yeah? Pray over the promises. 
Proclaim the promises. Be patient about the promises and you'll see God's blessing flow. Amen. Let's pray. We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.